0: Take a and turn to Joshua. Joshua twenty four, please. Joshua twenty four. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers today. Trust you had a blessed day so far, and the rest will be a blessing for you. Joshua twenty four. And uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve: whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. Whereas for me and my house, we will serve. The Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for uh, your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word together. We thank you, Father, that your word is quick and powerful and sharp in two edged sword. And Lord, that your word uh, does work in our hearts spiritually. We thank you, Father God, that uh, we have a book in our possession that not only teaches us about God and teaches us about the things of God, but is powerful enough to have an impact upon us. And so today, Father, as we open up your word, may your word indeed challenge us, may it encourage us, may it speak to us, and may we leave this time in your word, having been affected by it, been changed by it, that, Lord, we might bring glory to your name. Just enable us now, as we look into this perfect law of liberty, to learn that which you'd have us to learn. Use me, I pray, to your glory. Give me wisdom from on high and allow uh, your name to be exalted. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When Joshua uttered his famous words of Joshua 24, verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he was on the one hand seeking to challenge the leaders of the tribes of Israel to make up their mind. He wanted them to choose who they would serve, and if you read the whole of chapter 24, you know that's exactly the challenge he's giving to the leaders of the tribes of Israel, that they need to make a choice between the gods of the the nation around about them or God himself to choose who they would serve. But he was also revealing what kind of person he was, what kind of man Joshua was. You see, he was a family man, especially he was a father. And Joshua reveals to us here that he possessed those qualities that is deserve to be honored on an occasion like today, which, of course, is Father's Day. The statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, implies the qualities that God requires in a father and a grandfather, that God requires in godly leaders, that God requires in godly men. Having challenged the people regarding their relation with the Lord, in verse 14, which he does now therefore fear the Lord, and serve in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Having challenged them and in relation to the race of the Lord, he then calls on them to make a serious decision, a conscious decision to serve the Lord, a decision that he and his family had already made. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, as we honor our fathers and remind ourselves, men, that we must provide godly leadership in the homes, I want us to study these two verses, verses 14 and 15. You see, God requires godly leadership in our homes. Our homes today, more than ever, need strong spiritual leaders. Joshua knew this in his day. And we need to follow his example in our day. Joshua knew that if we are to be godly fathers, if we are to be godly grandfathers, if we are to be godly men, if we are to be godly leaders, then it requires, first of all, accepting the challenge of Joshua 24, 14 and 15. And the challenge is to put away the gods. Notice what he says in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve he the Lord. They were to put away the gods, the other gods, the gods that they served, that their fathers served, on the other side of the flood. You know, Joshua wanted, or rather warned the Israelites to put away those things that God did not allow. Their service, their worship of the false gods, had created problems in Israel. The nation of Israel had turned their back upon God, and the nation of Israel was not following the Lord. They were following the gods of their fathers, the gods of the Amorites, the gods of the nations around about them. And He challenges them and He warns them that what they need to do is to put away the gods, put away those things that God didn't allow. You know, idolatry was so characteristic of the Canaanite people. And it was so characteristic of the nation of Israel that he wanted them to put it away. He goes on in verse 15, he says, And if you see me unto to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, which your father served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, who dwell in the land, ye dwell. Choose which gods you'll serve. Put away the false gods and worship the true and living God." He says this, he says, put away, is to express an abhorrence for them and to keep a distance from them and show that you are far from giving in to such idolatries your ancestors were guilty of. You see, it was not a matter of following the majority opinion of the people amongst which they dwell, but it was a matter of making God the priority in their lives. The call here is to make God the priority. To make God number one, to make God their focus, make God the central theme of their lives in each of their homes, that God would be the central pillar of their homes, of their tribes, of the nation of Israel, that right in the center of the heart of it all would be this priority of God. And that the leaders, the fathers in the homes, the grandfathers in the homes would make, God the priority. He'd be the central focus of all that they did. The central focus of all that they believed. Well, God had been faithful to Israel. There were false gods among them. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, the nation of Israel had been, if you read the beginning part of this chapter, uh, Joshua rehearses how God led them out of Egypt. And how God had brought them through the Red Sea and how God had brought them to this place now that they are standing in. How God had led them all the way and yet God was in their midst but God was ignored because there were the false gods with them Some of the people who have been influenced by the nation around about them and they chosen to worship the gods of the Amorites That's verse 15 So whether you whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell You see, the nation of Israel wanted to receive the Lord's blessing while holding to the pleasures of the flesh at the same time. They wanted Jehovah to bless them, but they wanted to live in the luxuries and the the pleasure of sin that the gods of the Amorites, etc., allowed them to indulge in. And so Joshua challenged them to make up their mind decide who they were going to serve and who they were going to worship, whether they were going to put God of their fathers at the center of their lives or the gods of the Amorites and the other nations. You know the reality is even born again believers can find themselves serving gods of this world. We can find ourselves serving the gods of this world while at the same time neglecting the God who saved us. We can find ourselves making other things more important than God himself. We need to remember that anything in our lives that has priority over serving the Lord, has priority over our submission to the Lord, is an idol. If God is not the priority, if He is not the central focus of our lives, if He is not the central pillar of our lives, if He is not the priority in our life and our families, then everything else can become an idol. Anything that takes priority, anything that becomes more important to us than God is an idol. Unlike the Israelites, we all need to rid our lives of the idols that we've established in our lives, and we need to pursue a sanctified and upright life. Because we cannot honor God until we're willing to put away the strange gods of this world. We cannot honor God until we're willing to make the Lord the priority in our lives, the priority in our homes as fathers and as grandfathers. The example we need to set is one where God is paramount, he is the priority. He is the focal point of all that we do. All our decisions are made according to the will of God. All of our plans are made in the centre of God's will. That everything we do is according to the will of God. In 1 John five, twenty-one it says, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." As John is writing to the, the Christians that he is ministering unto, this aged apostle declares to the people he's writing to in First John, and he says to them categorically, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Because it's a very real problem. It was a very real problem in Israel. It was a very real problem in the first century in the church that people were worshipping idols. And John says, keep yourself from idols. The challenge is to us to keep ourselves from idols. On 1 John, 521, Spurgeon noted this. He said this, This speaks against obvious visible idols, but also this speaks against worshipping yourself. We can do this by overindulgence in food or in drink, by laziness or too much concern about how we look or what we wear. This also speaks against worshipping wealth and worshipping some hobby or pursuit or even worshipping dear friends or relatives. You see, you and I may not have idols of stone or idols of wood upon our mantelpiece or in our bedrooms or wherever it might be. We may not light candles to them and bow down to them like they do in certain parts of the world today, but every one of us can be guilty of having an idol. Something that is more important, more precious to us than God himself. Something that if God said, I want you to give it up, we would not give it up because it's an idol. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it be any of those things that Spurgeon mentioned. Whether it be yourself, or whether it be worshipping a hobby, or a pursuit, or relatives, or friends, whatever it might be. If we're not willing to give them up for God, then they're an idol. That's what the Lord talked about, where he said that you and I need to hate. If anyone's not willing to hate father or mother, he's not... Willing, he's not able to be my disciple. In other words, if he's not willing to love my, your father and mother less than you love God, you're not willing, not able to be his disciple. He has to have the priority. You need to put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. As believers, as fathers, as grandfathers, we must put away idols and make the Lord the priority in our lives. And you know something, if we make Christ the priority in our life, if we make Christ the priority in our homes, we need to understand this, that we'll never lose anything by making God first. See, the reason why many believers will not make God the priority, will not put God first, is for fear we will lose something by making Him the priority. But you know what God's promise to us is? That if we put Him first, we will not lose anything else that we need. Matthew chapter 6. We all know verse 33, but look at the context of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. and Notice what the Lord promises you and I. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. He says, therefore take no thought, saying what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or wherewithal you shall be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So what are we supposed to do? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the things that we need, shall be added unto us. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The Lord says, look, don't worry about all those other things. Don't make them the priority. Don't make food and clothing and and all those things your priority. Don't make them the focus of your life. Seek me first. Make me the priority of your life, and I'll make sure that all these things are added unto you. You see, as it says in Philippians, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. When you and I surrender the Lord, when we give him first place, we never lose anything by making God first. Never. But we will lose an awful lot if we don't put God first. Joshua wasn't afraid to go against the will of the majority. From you choosing the Lord was right. But making the Lord and his will the priority in his life was the most important thing for his family. And to be a godly father, to be a godly man, to be a godly leader, we need to accept the challenge to put away idols and to make the Lord and his will our priority. And that is accomplished by making the right choice. So secondly, look at me, look with me at the choice. The challenge, now the choice. Verse 15 says, And if if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose ye who you'll serve. Just to reveal that there were only two choices, the true and living God or the false gods their fathers served, which we've already talked about in verse 24 and 20 and verse 14 and verse 15. He wanted them to decide. He wanted them to make a decision to choose. He's told them to put away the idols, and in order to do that, you have to make a choice. You have to choose who you will serve. They could not remain neutral. The time had come for them to decide. You see, Joshua, in in his life, serving in Israel, watching during the days of Moses, Joshua had seen a great deal of lip service under the Lord. Over and over again, Israel has said, We will serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord. And over and over again, they made that declaration of dedication to God. But so often, that declaration had not been, been matched by action. They declared, We will we put God first, but then they'd not followed through. It's interesting here when he says, choose you this day who you will serve, he doesn't ask them to talk the good talk. He doesn't say, choose this day who you will talk about. He encouraged them by faith to practice, to actually engage in serving the Lord. To live to the glory of God, not just talk about the glory of God. Now the word serve in verse 24, in verse 14 and in verse 15, because it's mentioned both, those in verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And then at the end of verse 14, it says, and serve ye the Lord. And in verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you, to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve. And then in verse, at the end of verse, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That word serve there means to be a bondman to be in bond service, to be a bond slave. It speaks of false surrender. It's the idea of willingly surrendering your rights. <laughs> I talked about that in the first service. It's willing to surrender your rights, willing to surrender what you think you ought to be able to do, surrendering it all to God's service. It's saying, not my will, but thine be done. I surrender my rights. I surrender what I think I have a right to. I give it all up for you, Lord. I surrender. And he wanted them to be sincere in their service. He wanted them to have full surrender to the Lord so they would live in a manner that would be pleasing to the Lord. And notice how he frames this in verse 14. He says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. In sincerity. Joshua knew for his family to be godly, then he must first choose to serve the Lord with sincerity. The word sincerity means with genuineness of heart. That you sincerely want to do it. This this is not just words but this is a genuine desire of his heart to serve the Lord. Somebody said, in the family, as in Israel, there is no room for empty pretenders. God doesn't want you and I to be pretenders, to pretend to be a godly father, to pretend to be a godly grandfather, to pretend to be a godly believer. God doesn't want pretenders. He wants people who are absolutely, totally committed to him, fully surrendered to him, We've surrendered our rights, we've surrendered our will, and said, Lord, my will is thy will, or thy will is my will. Lord, what do you want me to do? And then he goes on and says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with, in sincerity and in truth. In truth, here it means to serve in perfection, with stability. For us as fathers in our homes, as leaders in our homes, this means to serve the Lord now with integrity. To serve with uprightness. It carries the idea that you and I, first of all, we surrender our all to the Lord genuinely. We say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, my, let my will be thy will. Let thy will be my will. Lord, I surrender all. You give it all to the Lord and then we say that I'm going to live that life, my life for the glory of God in the home. That's truth. Living out our faith before our children. Living out our faith before our grandchildren. That that which we surrender to the Lord, that sincerity of heart, now is reflected in behavior. Now that's the difficult part. It's difficult, isn't it, to be godly in the home. It's easier to be godly out and about as many times as it is in the home. At home is where we are, what we really are. That's where everyone sees us warts and all. That's where our wives know all the, the things that most people don't know about us. They, they know the warts. Our kids know the warts and all. You know, That's the embarrassing moments where the kid goes to school and tells everybody about what dad did. It's it's hard to live our faith 24 hours a day in the home. It's difficult, but it's imperative for us to strive to live our faith before our children, before our wives, if we're to lead our homes. There's nothing worse than being hypocritical. That our children see what we are in public is not what we are at home. There's hypocrisy. And that's why Joshua commands them to choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. He knew that if all of us will serve, that all of us rather will serve someone, you and I will either serve the devil or we will serve the Lord. There, is, there really isn't a third option. There's, there's no option left open to us. There's two choices. You either serve God or you don't. There is no middle ground. There is no half-baked believers who are serving the Lord. We can't half-heartedly serve the Lord. We either serve Him in sincerity and truth or we don't serve the Lord. The choice is ours. And for the sake of our families, as parents, as fathers, for the sake of our children and our grandchildren, we need to choose to serve the Lord. I read this this week, our children are watching our lives. Do they experience genuine service in our lives or just references to scripture hanging on the walls? What do they see? Do they see just reference to scripture hanging on the walls that we quote, or do they see a genuineness in us of someone who's trying their best because our hearts are committed to the Lord, trying our best to live a genuine faith before them? Look, we all sin, we all make mistakes, we all fail. No father is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. No grandfather is perfect by any stretch of the imagination but what our children ought to see in us is a godly character. You see, the choice is ours. We must willingly and actively engage in the service of the Lord. Our homes and our society have suffered because many have not chosen wisely in leadership roles in the home the Lord has been neglected the Lord has been abandoned in many places while the gods of this world have been promoted and celebrated all around us what is happening in our world is this world is worshipping and celebrating the gods of this world and that influence has seeped into families even into godly homes but our homes ought to be a refuge of righteousness They ought to be a refuge of godliness. They ought to be a refuge whereby the Lord is exalted and lifted up where he is the priority. That's what our families need to be. That's the choice that we need to make. So the only hope for our families is a renewed commitment by all of us, especially as fathers and grandfathers, a renewed commitment to serve the Lord faithfully. Joshua knew that if we are to be godly fathers, godly men and godly leaders, that requires accepting the challenge to put away the false gods. It means making the right choice, choosing this day whom we will serve. And that leads us to the third requirement for godly fathers and godly men, for godly leaders, that is to me to make a commitment so thirdly look with me at the commitment in verse 24 at the end there he says at the beginning of the verse choose you this day whom you will serve and he answers in the end of the verse but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord now we have no idea how big Joshua's family was <laughs> God doesn't tell us who his wife was It doesn't tell us how big his family was. We don't know much about Joshua's family at all. But it is encouraging, isn't it, to hear him commit his household to serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Now, Joshua's not a young man now. Joshua's an an older man now. But he says, I will serve the Lord and my household. And this phrase, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, implies that he has had a positive influence over his household. He speaks on behalf of his household. Now, the only way he can speak on behalf of his household is if he knows that his household is choosing to serve the Lord. This is not just a man standing out there like a bump on a log and all his family is running the other direction. Joshua stands there and for me and my house will serve the Lord. And everyone says to him, Well, where's your house? (laughs) Well, they're over there worshipping that God. They're over there worshipping that God. They're over there living that life. Okay, this is a man who knows that his family is behind him. He knows his family stands where he stands. So he can say with boldness, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here is a father who has influenced his household He has had such an impact upon the family that is in the decisions of life so that they are now walking with the Lord. And we should never underestimate the fact that as fathers, we have a great role to play in how our kids turn out. Now, there are exceptions to rules where fathers are brilliant fathers and godly men and children still rebel. But for the most part, you and I have a great role to play as fathers and grandfathers in the life of our children and our grandchildren, and where they end up. You see, as fathers, you and I can only have a positive influence on our families when our beliefs are supported by our behavior. See, the philosophy do as I say, don't do as I do, will never fly in the Christian home. It doesn't fly in any home, but it won't fly in the Christian home. Whatever we require of our children, spiritually, we need to require of ourselves. Whatever we expect of our children, we need to expect of ourselves. If we want to be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, then our influence over our household must be a godly, positive example that they can follow. Because you and I can only be effective leaders in our homes by living our faith before our children. They have to see it living in our lives. You know, we can't... It's like, you know, when I was growing up, there was parents who used to send their kids to Sunday school, but never again to Sunday school. I wonder why when the kids got older they didn't want to go anymore. You've got to live by example. You've got to take them with you. That's why we have an adult Sunday school class as well as all the other classes. So it gives you opportunity to bring your children to Sunday school. And praise God, families do bring their children to Sunday school. I'm not, there's no criticism here of our church families at all, just by way of example. But it ought to be true in all things. You know, you and I ought to lead by example. We ought to be there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we ought to lead by example. So that as the children grow up, they too will want to be there. We need to lead by example in our home and other areas by, by daily devotions, by having family devotions, but also having our devotions. And our children know that we read God's Word, know that we pray, know that we love the Lord. Know that we pray about the decision we have to make. Know that we put God first. They need to see it in our lives. Somebody said our children believe our convictions when they see our example. An essential quality for us as the head of the family is that we need to have some clear convictions and then take the lead before our family by living those convictions before them. Asking God for wisdom and guidance and then living that wisdom, living that guidance before them day by day. One preacher said, a father without clear convictions in life will be like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He's unstable and lacks consistency in what he plans and does. As a result, his family is confused and frustrated because they don't know where they stand and whom to follow. Do our families know who to follow? Do we have definite, defined convictions, confined beliefs? And are we living that before our children? Are we setting some guidelines upon their lives, some boundaries upon their lives that are God-honoring, that they can see as the will of God, that this is what God says? That no, you can't do that because it's contrary to the will of God. You should be doing this because this is the will of God. Do they know the boundaries? Do they they see the, the example that we set? Are we setting parameters on their life? Doesn't matter how old they get, wherever they live in the home, we ought to be setting boundaries upon their lives, setting example for them, saying, here is the things you can do and here's the things you shouldn't be doing and explain it to them and show them why it's right and why it's wrong. They ought to see that also in our lives, the example in our lives that we are living before them, a living, breathing testimony of the wisdom and will of God. And we ought not to be afraid as parents to set parameters, to set principles for our children, that we won't let them do certain things, no matter what they say. Well, all my friends are doing it. doesn't matter. You're not. Well, all my Christian friends, what well, doesn't matter. You're not. Do I really have to do this? None of my other friends are doing it. Yes, you do. We need to set those examples for them. You see, you and I need to lay a roadway for them while they're young. We teach them while they're young so that when they're older, they'll not stray from that path. We need to give our families clear examples of godliness to follow. You and I need to make every effort to communicate to our family by our life as well as by our words, our faith. So they'll know what what to believe. Somebody said family values and traditions come from the clear convictions of parents, particularly the father. And there is absolutely no doubt that the father's example is very influential in the home. Now don't get me wrong, mothers are important. Mothers are vital. In the home. And I don't want to under uh, or diminish the importance of a mother in the home and her role as a wife and a mother. I would not want to do that in any way, shape, or form. But men, we need to understand this that at the end of the day, you and I have a great influence by our example in the home. And therefore, if our life does not back up our teaching, and our words are meaningless. Our children need to see our example. Sometimes that means you and I need to apologize. To say that we're sorry we got it wrong. Be man enough to acknowledge that we did the wrong thing. To acknowledge that we got it wrong and not have this idea that somehow We're always right, no matter what. It's living an example, demonstrating before our children a constant, consistent life that needs to change and will change as you and I grow in the Lord. So often it's the inconsistent lives of parents, particularly fathers, that leads to rebellious children. That was the point the Apostle Paul was making in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Remember Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it is right. Honor thy father and mother, for it's the first commandment with a promise. But then he makes this statement in verse 4, he says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You and I have to be careful in our leading of our children that we don't provoke them to wrath, that we don't make them become frustrated with us. This is what dad says you will do, but this is what dad does. And the hypocrisy is so great it causes the child to become Provoked. Or we discipline the child for something wrong and then find out later it wasn't that child at all, it was the other child, and we never apologize to that child, that provokes that child to wrath. We have to be careful as fathers that we're not guilty of causing our children to have a hatred for God because our lives do not match our testimony, do not match our words. Dr. Michael Lord Jones said this about Ephesians 6 and verse 4. He said this, When you are disciplining a child, you should have first controlled yourself. What right have you to say to your child that he needs discipline when you're obviously in need of it yourself? Now I'm not sure, now I am sure rather, that Joshua knew that he could not make the decision of decisions of life for his family he could not say choose you this day whom you will serve on behalf of his family unless they also had chosen to serve the lord he could not make them follow him okay He could not boldly stand up on this day as he's challenging the leaders of Israel, choose whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He could not make the bold declaration that he would serve the Lord and his family would follow him unless he knew that his family was equally committed to following the Lord. And it appears that his life and his testimony had such an influence upon his family that he could say with confidence, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Because understand what he's saying here. Joshua is making this declaration for himself and his family. He's saying this, regardless of what others decide, regardless of what others commit themselves to, regardless of what others, who others serve, as for me and my house, we... All of us commit to serve the Lord. Now you can't make that bold statement if your family is not also choosing to serve the Lord because how ridiculous would it seem if he's standing up there making this declaration and everyone starts laughing. Because they know it's not true. Choose you this day whom you'll serve, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And everyone says, yeah, like, like they do, Josh. That's a joke, Josh. Don't make me laugh, Josh. You might be serving the Lord, but we know what your kids are up to. You might be serving the Lord, but we know what your grandkids think of that. The only reason he could stand up here and the only reason why God would record it here is because Joshua, by his influence, by his testimony, by his witness in the home, had so influenced them that they also, with him that day, choose to serve the Lord. That makes Joshua a wonderful father. He refused to allow the behavior of others or the popular opinion of the people around him to persuade him or alter his position and his decision. He chose to serve the Lord and his family would follow him. You know, it's evident today that most people in our world have chosen the gods of this world instead of the Lord. Chosen the gods of this world instead of the God who created them and redeemed them, they're following other gods. Our society, our, our homes, and our families are suffering because most people today have turned from the true and living God to the pleasures of the flesh. Most people today are unconcerned about eternity. Most people today refuse to accept any accountability for their lives. The power and the influence of the church today is greatly diminished. The average home in Australia is not built upon biblical, uh, a biblical foundation. And if there has ever been a time in the history of Australia or the history of the world, has there has been a time where a commitment a renewed commitment under the Lord by families, by fathers, By grandfathers, it's today. As fathers and grandfathers, we need to take up the challenge to serve the Lord. The challenge of Joshua, choose you this day, whom you will serve, is still the challenge for you and me today, especially as fathers on this father's day and grandfathers. We must choose who we will serve. And we ought to choose with Joshua to serve the Lord. To be a godly father, a godly grandfather, we need to put away the gods. We need to accept the challenge to turn from the gods of this world. We need to make a choice to choose this day who will serve. And we need in the end to make the commitment to choose to serve the Lord. We need to commit to making the Lord and his will the priority in our lives, the priority in our homes. Our children need to see our commitment to Christ. The reality is every one of us today will make a choice. The challenge is for all of us to choose wisely. Whether you be a father, a grandfather, a mother, a grandmother, whether you be a child, whoever you are today every one of us with Joshua need to choose wisely we need to choose this day to serve the Lord let me challenge you will you choose wisely I trust so let's pray gracious father we thank you for your word this morning we thank you for Joshua this man of God who had such an influence on his family that he could stand up before the nation of Israel with boldness and confidence and challenge them and ask them to choose who they serve but that it has for him and his house he would serve the Lord. Lord, help us on this Father's Day as fathers and grandfathers to make a wise choice. Help us to choose to serve the Lord. So that our houses, our households might grow up under the influence of a godly father, a godly grandfather, godly men and choose themselves to serve the Lord. Father, commend your word to our hearts today. Challenge us by it, we pray. And bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.